Glad that you're able to be here, and uh, it is so glad to be, I'm so glad to be here myself. You know, I think uh, in our Sunday school class that we're doing for this month, uh, watching the video on dealing with anger and how to resolve anger in our lives, in our relationships, um, you know, one of the things we talked about today was just the need to be thankful, even in the midst of our trials, uh, to be thankful for what God is doing in us and through us. Uh, you know, he doesn't cause those trials to come upon us, but he uses them to refine us. And I think that's a blessing to know about and to be thankful for, that uh, if we respond in a Christ-like way to the hurt that we feel, to the trials we're going through, that God will use us, and he'll use that to refine us and make us even more uh, capable in our work for him. So uh, just really... Uh, and thankful today uh, for a lot, of, a lot of reasons. I want to invite you guys to come to something that is coming up on November the 20th. That's a Sunday, um, Sunday evening. Every year we have what is called the uh, area-wide Thanksgiving service at the Parkside Church of Christ. Uh, one of the reasons that I think it's so important to go is that it brings together all the different congregations of the Churches of Christ uh, and brings them to one spot. Now, do all of them come? No. Uh, but more and more are coming. It's building again. And we want to support it. We want to help it. Uh, besides that, yours truly is leading singing <laughs> that, that Sunday night. Uh, and I'd love to have the support of you there uh, as a congregation to be down there with me. Uh, our speaker for that night is the youth minister at the Livonia Church of Christ, Mike Miles. And he is a, a good speaker, and I'm looking forward to what he has to say. But most of all, I'm looking forward to the fellowship. And so I'd love you to come along. Zach will have the bus ready to go at 5 o'clock. Uh, we can all jump on together. Uh, if you would like to do that, let us know, and uh, we will look forward to it. We'll be keeping you updated on this as the date gets closer. Also want to remind you that today is our potluck supper, and even if you didn't bring anything, please stay uh, and come down and join us in a time of just fellowship where we can just sit and talk and, and uh, get to know each other better uh, and get to enjoy some good food while we're at it. So that will take place um, right after uh, our worship time this morning. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. One of those passions, pleasures, that has enslaved us, I believe, is our natural inclination for making excuses. Anybody out there make excuses? Okay, be honest. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, we do it. We do it. You know, the car thief says, well, it's not my fault that I stole that car because I lost my job and I needed an inconspicuous car to drive around and look for work. That's just an excuse. <laughs> That's an explanation, but it's not an excuse from the law that you just broke. But what about the victims of crime? Don't we make excuses sometimes, too? Some of you know several years ago, we had a car stolen right out of our driveway. You know, and I could have been complaining to God, Lord, I've dedicated my life to you. How could you let this happen? And that was our good car, too, and it really was. <laughs> 
<laughs> the lowest mileage one we had at the time. You know, and why did you let me drop my comprehensive insurance? I don't even get any money out of this. You know, whose fault was it the car got stolen? Well, it was the thief's fault. Whose car that I didn't have the right insurance? My own fault. But we want to make excuses. I could make a statement like that, but it would be an excuse. Because I know that God will take care of me. He is faithful. In spite of my foolish choice of not carrying the right coverage, he still is faithful. He will take care of me, and he indeed did take care of me uh, in, in that way. But listen to this quote. D.L. Moody once said, Excuses are the cradle in which Satan rocks us to sleep. Let me say that again. Excuses are the cradle in which Satan rocks us off to sleep. It just lulls us. We feel justified. We feel good. And yet, excuses really get us nowhere. Alexander Kuzmin is the mayor of a city in uh, Megion, which is in western Russia. And in 2007, he'd had about enough of excuses. And so he published a list of 27 excuses that he no longer accepted from his civil servants. And civil servants who said these were going to lose their jobs. So what were they? Things like, I don't know. It's lunchtime. I like that one. <laughs> um, I was on sick leave at the time. Hmm. Other banned excuses were, I can't, it's impossible, it's not my job. Anybody ever used that one? The reason for Kuzman's decision was simple. City officials, he says, should, not, should solve problems, not make excuses. You know, Christians, we should have the same attitude. Christians aren't here to make excuses. We are here to do good. That good that the Lord has established for us to do. Before the creation of the world, those good things that he has established were prepared for us. So I guess we have to ask the, excuse for our, or the, the question to ourselves. What is our excuse for not doing that good which he has prepared for us in advance? But you know, it's interesting. Mankind did just that. They made excuses right from the get-go, too. Remember back in the Garden of Eden? What did Adam say after they'd eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Lord, this woman you gave me. <laughs> Making an excuse. Clear in Scripture, Adam was right there when Eve was talking to the serpent. Could have stopped it at any moment, and he didn't. And yet he tried to Put that off on Eve. Tried to make an excuse for his own behavior. How about Joseph's brothers? You ever thought about them? You know, they, were, they felt justified in selling him to, into slavery. You know, because, you know, Jacob was favoring Joseph too much. You know, he was, he was getting cocky too, and he needed to be taken down a notch. And besides, we didn't kill him. We just sold him off into slavery. We know later on when they are confronted with a little brother they'd so often to slavery who was now running the country of Egypt uh, that they were dependent upon how horrible they felt and how scared they felt. 
their excuse didn't hold up in front of God's will. How about Saul? Saul was zealous in stoning Christians to death. And he did it because of his zeal for God. He felt justified in that. And yet later on, Saul doesn't try to make excuses for his own behavior before he knew Jesus Christ. You know what he said? He said, because of those actions, I am the chief of sinners. We've got to stop making excuses and begin to rely upon God and his power in our lives. And one of the things that I am so grateful for is that God is full of mercy and grace toward all of us. Because if that were not so, we would all be in trouble because every single one of us make excuses for our bad behavior, for our, let me use another word, sin that's in our lives. We make excuses. But there's coming a time when excuses will not excuse us. They will not be forgiven. A time when God will say, I don't know you. We read about that time in Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus teaches using the judgment day as his illustration. He's got the sheep on one side, get that right, and the goats on the other. And they will be separated on the basis of what they did, not what they said. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. God is not looking for excuse makers. He is looking for doers people who will own up to their own faults and trust God to lead them. Those who will step out in faith and therefore produce fruit that brings God glory. And you can't use the excuse that your life just overwhelming is overwhelming to you. Why can't you use that? I'm pretty overwhelmed sometimes. How about you guys? I know a lot of your personal lives. And I know that a lot of you here are just overwhelmed, and I get it. But you know what? We're not so overwhelmed that we cannot do good. Why? Because we have within us the power of God. Can God do anything? Can he? He can. He is unlimited. He is omnipotent, omni-everything. He's got it all wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Okay, he's, he can do it. What I can't do, he can do. And even if it's the most smallest act of kindness, no matter how overwhelmed and blown away our life seems to be, with God's power, we can still do good. You know, one of the most sacred symbols in the city of Oklahoma is a tree. It's a sprawling shade tree, 80-year-old American elm. Tourists drive for miles around to come and see her. People pose for pictures beneath her. Arborists carefully protect her. She adorns posters and letterheads. You know, other trees grow larger, fuller, even greener. But not one is equally cherished as this tree. The city treasures this tree not because of her appearance, but because of her endurance. She endured the Oklahoma City bombing. 
Timothy McVeigh parked his death-laden truck only yards from her. His malice killed 168 and wounded 850 and destroyed the Alfred P. Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building and buried the tree in the rubble. No one expected it to survive. No one, in fact, gave any thought to the dusty, branch-stripped tree. But then she began to bud. Sprouts pressed through the damaged bark. Green leaves pushed through the gray soot. Life resurrected from an acre of death. People noticed. The tree modeled the resilience the victims desired. So they gave the elm tree a name, the survivor tree. You know, no matter how beat up you and I get by life, no matter how messed up we get, we still have within us the potential to do what God created us to do. Because his power is at work within us. His spirit lives within us and dwells within us and empowers us. Ezekiel, who prophesied to Judah while they were in Babylonian captivity, was given a vision by the Lord of a valley filled with bones. You might remember the the spiritual, dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. Love that song. Well, this is the passage that that song is taken from. It's filled with these dry bones. And the Lord commands Ezekiel to prophesy to those bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord, says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and I will, and you will come to life. I will attach tenons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling noise, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tenons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from afar, the four winds. Oh, breathe, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm sorry, I don't think I got all the way through that. Am I good? Okay, thank you. This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up out of them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring them up, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. You know, Israel was devastated when they were carried off into Babylonian captivity. God, they thought, had abandoned them. But he hadn't abandoned them, had he? Instead of abandoning them, he had disciplined them. 
He had not broken his promise, even if it seemed that the life of Judah as a nation was over, that they were nothing but dry bones. God could take those dry bones. He had plans for those dry bones. They would grow flesh, and they would rise again to be the people of God in whom God dwells through his Spirit. And through that people, the world would be blessed with a Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As Christians, as Christians, this is just what God has done and is doing in you and I today. We were spiritually dead. And when we died to that old life, we were buried with Christ, and then we were raised to newness of life when we were raised out of those waters of baptism. Through Jesus Christ, we have been given a gift, a gift of new life, but also a gift of God's presence within our life, a constant companion in his spirit. Therefore, we have no excuse for failing to do what God created us to do. As Yoda said to young Skywalker, no can't do. (laughs) Now, do we fail? Yes. But remember, God is merciful and forgiving and full of grace and knows our weakness. But we can continue to live for him, even in the face of what seems to be difficult struggles in our lives. We can do it because God has done it. Did you see that last scripture here? I have done it, declares the Lord. I have already, even though you're still in captivity, because it is my will, because I want it to happen, it has already happened. And Christians, he can do it for you as well. He has done it. Now he has done it in a way that blesses all nations for all eternity, past and present, through his son Jesus Christ, when he died upon the cross. But why do we, Christians, always seem to try to excuse our downfalls? Why do we try to excuse for what we know is wrong and we know we shouldn't do, and yet we try to make excuses for it? We know the promises that God has given us. We know that he has promised us that he would be with us and help us overcome, and yet we still try to make excuses. We need to stop making excuses. And we need to start living in the promises that God has given us and doing them, doing the good that we know we should do. Let's start by treating our fellow man with love and respect, no matter how different we are or how much we disagree with them. There's never a time when it is acceptable for Christians to speak ugly. Even in our anger, what does the Lord say we're to avoid doing? Sinning. Think about that as we respond and react to the various things that are going on in our society today. Think about that. So that we do not bring shame to the house of the Lord. But instead, in spite of everything that's going on, we remain that shining light where people know that they can find truth and love and acceptance even in their broken, fallen state. I encourage you to read my bulletin article uh, this morning uh, about brokenness. We're all broken. We're all 
in terrible need of God's grace. And the only way that we can be there for them is to stop making excuses and start being Christ to the world and offering the hope that we so enjoy because of him. Remember, as John reminds us in his first letter, if we can't love our brother who we see, how can we love God who we do not see? We can't, can we? We have no excuses. And by the way, the only election comment I'm going to make is don't think this election or any election that's ever held in the United States will save you. Incapable of it. One of the worst things that's happened to our nation has been uh, too tight of an affiliation with God and country. I'm all for God and country, and I think our country should be guided by and influenced by uh, Christianity. But when we make country our God, then we have gone to the wrong Savior. And it cannot save us. Only Jesus Christ can save us. And only faith in him as the Son of God will bring us the life and the hope and the power that we want to have. The security and assurance that we want to have in this life. But we do that not just by saying words. By just saying, oh yeah, I believe, blah, 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 blah. You know, that, you, remember Charlie Brown? Cartoons? What, the adults, when the adults were speaking, what was it? Blah, 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 blah. Wah, 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 wah. Thank you. That's, that's better. Yep. That's it. Okay. You know what? That's, that's how the world hears us sometimes. And you know why? Because they don't see the wah, 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 wah matching up with actions. We've got to make sure they all come together. To paraphrase Scripture, we need to not just be saying words, but we need to be working them out with fear and trembling. Take it seriously. As I said earlier, we are blessed by God that he is full of grace and mercy. That he has given us all these precious promises because we need every promise and we need every bit of grace and mercy and forgiveness that we can get. He will forgive our sins. And he does. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But we must stop making excuses for our failings and start to sincerely live in the promises and live for him each and every day. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come to you this morning. And as Isaiah has said, we are unclean and we live amongst the people who are unclean. But Lord, you have chosen us through your son, Jesus Christ, when we accepted him as our savior. You have chosen us to be your hands and feet, your eyes and ears, your words of comfort. And Father, we pray that we will confess our unworthiness, confess our inadequacy, confess our sin, and truly trust in you, Lord. We pray your forgiveness where we have failed, and we pray that we will truly come to you and rely upon you, that we will believe that, oh, no matter how overwhelmed we are, no matter how blown away we are by life, like that survivor tree, Lord, you can make the dead branches come back to like that valley full of bones that Ezekiel spoke of and prophesied about, that we can be brought back to life no matter how dead we feel because your spirit lives within us.
us. Help us, Lord, to truly, truly be a people who is distinct, a people who can be said of, there you will find God. Help us, Lord, to live in the promises you have given us. Stop making excuses for our sin, but rely on your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you're here today and you feel convicted by the word to come to know Jesus Christ more than just a historical figure, but as the Son of God who actually came upon this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived, taught us how to live, but then suffered for us, and died on that cross to forgive us of our sin, that he was buried and on the third day rose again, so that we not, need not fear death, but instead understand that it is only a transition into greater life, a life that he gives us now through his Spirit when we are baptized, a life that holds us, gives us security, pushes out fear because it's filled with love, a life that is no longer making excuses for what we can't do, but is instead confessing and honest of what we can't do and trusting God to do what we think is impossible, but for him is very possible. If you want to come to him today and make him your Savior by putting him on in baptism, we're here to assist you with that. If at any time you want to talk about that, you're not ready today, always. The invitation is open. If you need the prayers of the church for the struggles you're having in your life, whatever your need, the invitation is yours as we stand and as we sing.